Come on. He is strong. He is powerful. He is Darshan Mehta, and he is the founder of iResearch.com. It's a platform that allows users to quickly engage insights from consumers all across the world and connectquick.com. It's an app that allows users to make instant connections and take part in engaging interactions. Welcome, Darshan. Thank you very much, George. Looking forward to talking to you. Yeah, excited to have you on. Darshan, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work and why you do what you do. Sure. Um, I was born in India and I uh, came to the U.S. Uh, as a four-year-old and I've grown up uh, my uh, entire life in the U.S. And uh, for the last 27 years, I've been involved in the areas of branding, marketing, and advertising. And I got into that because I realized in college, I really liked uh, case studies and I like solving problems. And as a result, I decided to make a lifestyle decision um, and went into consulting and uh, pursued basically market research, branding, and all that because it combines in many things. Uh, but one of the things is consumer behavior, and uh, I just found that whole area very interesting. Nice. So I appreciate that. So, so you you're actually wise enough to recognize something that that you really like doing, and then made a career out of it. What is <laughs> I think so many people who, who are listening that, that 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 are now trying to do that after spending a lot of time kind of spinning their wheels, um, and and then how about the 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 jump or, or perhaps you were already doing consulting in more of an entrepreneurial uh, basis or did you jump to entrepreneurship? Well, I was a little bit fortunate. I had a head start. My uh, family, my father is very entrepreneurial, so I've kind of had that in my DNA to begin with. But um, I also believe that there are certain rules that just exist in the universe. And one of them is I think necessity is the mother of invention. <clears throat> so I kind of put myself in a situation out of college where if you can make things happen, you know, before you uh, get used to too much sleep and uh, mortgages, <laughs> you know, that's you know, really, really do something. So, um, you know, I decided to pursue a lifestyle uh uh, a certain lifestyle, and that made me uh, force myself. Uh, and that lifestyle basically was to have flexibility in my time, and not have as many people control my time, or at least say the fewer people that control my time, the better. And so that forced me to make decisions to actually make that happen. And then eventually, um, you know, it does because you're forced to do it. Nice. I think that that is. There's a, a that's that's. I, I think that that's extremely wise uh, for anybody to, to, to be able to be so thoughtful about that, particularly for, for a young person, sort of right around, you know, graduating college age to recognize this is a really good opportunity before I have a mortgage and, 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 and other obligations to, to really sink my teeth into this. So I certainly appreciate and respect that. Um, do you have, you know, and I think, I think more and more people are coming to that realization regardless of what age they're at, especially now post-COVID, right? Because I think many people are trying to realize, hey, what am I really want to do with the time I'm given? Right, yeah. And so how how how, how would you counsel somebody to, to sort of start that process of actually moving from this is where I'm at, this is what I'm currently doing, all my responsibilities and obligations and assets, how do I move towards what I really want to be doing. 
Well, now we're going to jump ahead to the, I think the question I was anticipating from you is what's the, the, the takeaway, the one big advice you'd give. Fair enough. <laughs> but, uh, so should I jump there now? Yeah, let's, 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 let's do that difference making tip. Sure. I think I would, I would encourage people to uh, attack their work as if it's their legacy. And what I mean by that is I think, you know, when you set your North Star, that can make a real big difference in all the decisions you make to get there. For example, let's say, you know, you have a business and you say, I want to be the best in my state. That's perfectly fine. That's not a problem. But what if you'd set your goal saying, I want to be the best in the world? It's a different North Star. But I think if you recognize the path of the decisions you make to get to one North Star versus the other is going to make a big difference. And I would almost encourage you to go a little bit higher than you actually want, because what's the worst that's going to happen? You might get out of your state, you might hit a star, maybe not the moon, but you know at least you'll know how close you get. But then you might figure out a strategy how to actually get yourself to the moon. Well, I think that, that is great stuff. That definitely gets a come on. Come on. All right. So <laughs> I, I, I've been seeing in memes and stuff like that on the internet this idea of you know your ten-year goal. Try to do it in six months. What do you think about that? Sure. I mean, there's nothing wrong in trying that. But the thing is, recognize if you fail, that doesn't mean you've really failed. That just means you need to learn from what went wrong, right? Um, I think timelines and deadlines definitely help all around. But if for whatever reason, you're not able to achieve it, that doesn't mean you can't keep trying. I think that that's well said. So tell us a little bit more about or tell us specifically about about iResearch, what what the problem that you recognized was and 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 how you're addressing it. Sure. So as I said, one of the things I recognize about me is I like solving problems. And the other is I just felt this need that I, one of my missions for me personally is I'd like to leave this world a little bit better than I found it. So combining that with the mission and my desires, you know, caused me to be a bit more focused and have uh, and also pursue meaning. And one of the things I recognized after about 20-some years in the branding market research space is that there are insights all around us. And I found that many people pursue insights through either surveys or you know, focus groups. And I found that you know, if you initially have conversations with people, and what I mean by conversations is actually get to know them and, and get deeper into a topic or an area. For example, when you're at a really good uh, party at a cocktail party, right? And you uh, meet a, a handful of people and you start having a conversation. Everybody's really into it and everybody's you know, going deeper and deeper and, and you start bringing in things that you hadn't really thought about or felt because of this conversation. That's the kind of conversation I'm talking about. And when you do that, you really tap into a lot of interesting kernels of insights. And then from there, if you really think, hey, you're onto something, I would encourage at that point, perhaps to do a survey at that point because you'll end up with a better a set of questions and answer choices to then quantify some of the things you're trying to uh, tap into in terms of the insights or how you want to act upon those insights. And having done this for a while, I've seen a pattern, um, and I just feel very lucky that I've seen that. And as a result, I want to be able to empower other people to use that in their own business. Because nowadays, if you think about it, with uh, social media and everything, whether you want feedback from your customers or not, you're going to get it. Right. And so your chance, your, your choice is no longer are you going to get feedback. Your choice is do you want to get feedback sooner or later? 
And part of that is you're going to get unsolicited feedback on the internet through social media channels, but you can also go out and get feedback on your own. And I found that, you know, instead of stabbing in the dark, um, if you can actually get insights from your users, you're going to get a lot closer to what it is they want and what they're willing to pay in terms of what you're offering. Nice. Well, I certainly appreciate that. So this, and I'll, I'll try to sort of summarize everything from, from what I heard. Take, if, 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 if you have an idea and you're, you're in a casual environment sharing it with people and it seems to be striking a chord, you think, oh, you know what, I really might be on to something here instead of just sort of plodding along and figuring it out from there sort of on your own unsystematically and unscientifically, this might be an opportunity to actually you know, take a survey or, or, or get people together in a more organized environment to, to sort of flesh it out further. Exactly. I'll give you an example. Um, like uh, Airbnb, when they first started out, they actually um, were not doing well in all the markets they were in, but they noticed they were doing well in New York. And so there were, I think, uh, at the time they were part of Y Incubator, and they decided they, they were given advice go out and talk to your customers because that's where the facts are. You know, they're not uh, going to be sitting in the meeting room talking about this. So they actually went out and talked to their customers and wanted to figure out, you know, why they were doing well in New York, but also what they could do better. And they quickly realized that one of the things that they could really help all their um, customers in New York was to take better pictures of the units that they're trying to rent out. And as a result of that simple insight, and that came as a result of conversations with people, they were able to more than double their business in a week. Yeah, I think that that is an incredible story. I, I remember hearing that, hearing one of the founders on a podcast talking about that and how they were pretty shocked. They thought, you actually want us to go talk to the users? <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and they actually did that. Like the founders went and interviewed them and it made all the difference. Yeah, if you, if you really look at many uh, products that have been successful, like way out of the blue and super successful, they often stem from a, a, a problem that someone has identified that needs to be solved, right? And that is because a combination of that entrepreneur has an insight into the problem a little bit, but also maybe some more insights and knowledge of the industry. But then you actually, if you go talk to the customers, you can fine-tune that thing because ultimately it's not whether you have a great product or services – are there people out there that have similar pain points and at what level and are they willing to actually pay for a solution, right? And sometimes you might be close to the solution or it just needs to be tweaked or, or altered, whatever, but you need that feedback. And like I said, you're going to get that feedback one way or another when you launch your product, but I think you might be better off making that initial investment and finding out what people think and feel so that when you do invest you know, more money and in terms of actual production and advertising, promotion, all that stuff, you at least know that, hey, I'm really close to what the marketplace wants, so the chance of me being successful are much greater than not. And I imagine that, put myself in the in the situation, if I had this amazing idea that I was super excited about and I go through the exercise of making the thing and then launching it into the world and the feedback I get is just crickets, that is <laughs> that is a bad place and I bet that happens way too often. True, but the other can be also somewhat uh, discerning. I mean, uh, uh, uncomfortable for entrepreneurs that create this baby. That is critical feedback, right? Mm-hmm. And so what do you do with that? And I would say don't take it personally. And in fact, some of the greater insights might be in that critique itself. 
because if someone's just giving you a critique, they're not just telling you it's terrible. They're actually, in a way, also telling you, if you could fix this, then I would really become – that's your potential to actually cultivate a super fan or you know someone that's really going to be your advocate later on. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. It's somebody telling me my kid is ugly is, is not a happy place, but – perhaps the most instructive thing so but if you give your kid a great haircut or you know yeah, yeah then or, or a nice shirt they love <laughs> a nice haircut a nice shirt a charming personality you know sky's the limit darshan <laughs> i like it all right so so i'm thinking uh like uh, i'm thinking of this focus group with the people around a, a conference room table and a a like a two-way mirror on 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 the other side how does it actually work Yes, this is online. It's uh, chat-based, and so basically you're posing questions to people. And I've tried all these different methods from chat-based, telephone, and video, and I find that the chat-based actually works best, and I'll tell you why. There's two interesting things that I've noticed happen. One is you're able to pose a question to everyone in the group, and typically you're going to invite 15 people with the expectation that anywhere from 8 to 12 will show up. But when they do... Your whole goal is to have a deeper conversation, right? And I find that when you pose a question to the group, since it's chat-based, they can all respond right away. As opposed to right now, only one of us can talk at a time. Otherwise, your listeners are going to go crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But with the chat-based, everyone can respond, but then also they can see what other people are saying as well as then respond accordingly. So that's one thing I found interesting about the chat-based so you actually get more information from everyone throughout the group at the end with a full transcript. But the other thing I found that's interesting is that people tend to think a little bit more before they articulate their thoughts into writing. Again, we're not interested in having perfect grammar or spelling. As long as we understand what you're saying, that's the key. But I find that people tend to think just a little bit extra because they have to put their thoughts into writing. Yeah, that's certainly an interesting thing right there. I think it's 100% true. I can just spout off my opinion verbally, uh, but when I am actually writing, that is that certainly is 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 different. So, okay, great. And if you think about it, most of I mean, how much of your work on a daily basis is text or chat based now, right? From emails to instant messaging, whatever. And even through those methods, you can glean people's thoughts, emotions, and personalities as well. Yeah, thousand percent. And now I'm I'm thinking about just being in different Zoom meetings and whenever I'm presenting and I open it up for questions, some people are comfortable unmuting, but everybody is comfortable typing into a chat function as well. So there must be something right. there as well. Right. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. I mean, a lot of times you know, there, there's that person that's great at coming out of the gate with a quick answer, but there's that real thoughtful person real thoughtful person in the corner that wants to say more but hasn't had that chance. But when it's chat-based, it's not a problem. So who who are these people? Where 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 are they at? So they're usually either uh, wherever they are with a computer and internet connection. So it could be from their work or their home. Um, so one of the nice things about online focus groups, they're actually ideal for hard-to-reach uh, participants. For example, doctors, attorneys, that have pressed for their time and so on, but they're easy to reach this way. But, you know, so it's really the convenience of wherever the participants are, as long as they're uh, connected. Okay. So, so I can, as, as, as the business owner looking for feedback, I can, there's parameters that I can set or how, how does that actually work? Yeah. So let's say for example, like you have a podcast, but you have people listen from all over the world, right? 
So your choice would be to do it physically. You'd have to pick a city or somewhere to actually do it physically. But with online, you can have people from all over. So there's no geographic uh, bias or anything. Um, and if you like, say, for example, you spoke a different language, you could even do this in a different language, uh, online chat based as well. So um, that's one of the benefits that gives you to be doing it online as opposed to in a physical location. And nowadays with COVID, I mean, this is definitely the, the most COVID uh, friendly uh, methodology. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about that. So, what is if you could design? Let's just let's just use let's 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 use me in the podcast as an example. You said you know sure. I'm really interested in in figuring out what people like about the show or what what they would like to see improved. How would you recommend I move forward with with using online focus groups? So you would identify people that you think are in your audience from your demographics. Or even psychographics, right? Like you, I think you you know for sure a lot of your listeners want to find out something that's interesting and helpful in their professional, professional or personal lives, and so you might want to identify them through a screening survey initially. And once you do that, then you're basically going to start having conversations about, you know, maybe what are the triggers that cause them to look for these solutions or different things, or what makes them want to go out of their comfort zone for look to look for new and innovative ideas, right? And so. They may not be able to tell you exactly what they're looking for, but I think they can certainly tell you your pain, their pain points and their motivations. And I think once you have an understanding of that, you'll be in a better position to say, okay, I understand what my listeners kind of are saying and wanting. And I think I can uh, then do interviews like this or content like this that's going to really help them get to that next level that they're seeking. What percentage of, uh, of people actually go through this exercise? Is it a lot of people or is it fewer? Quite a few, actually, because you're, you're going to compensate them for their time to participate in the focus group. Okay. But keep in mind, more than anything, people love to get feedback. I mean, don't you love to get feedback? I mean, I do. Sure. <laughs> so people love that. So if you're giving the people an opportunity to be heard, and especially if they feel like you're actually going to act upon what they're thinking and feeling, you know, the incentives help, there's no doubt, because it gets people committed and they show up. But more than anything, um, people love giving feedback and, and really trying to help make things better. And we often find that if you have an engaging conversation, and these are two-hour conversations online, and you might think, oh, my God, two hours. But if it's engaging, we find that most people don't want to leave. I love it. Fascinating. And you've been at this for, for a while, so you've been refining and tweaking and changing. Yeah. And all I said, I've been actually using this platform for a while uh, for clients internally as a consultant, and I realized that there's a real power in this. So. I'm trying to make the platform now available to anyone to be able to use on demand. So making it much more affordable, easier, and um, you know saves people time as well because you can now do these kind of focus groups very quickly, and it's no more than the cost of you know uh, a, a, a inexpensive dinner for two per session, and um, you can get a lot of feedback and a lot of insights. And I think that's the key for a lot of new entrepreneurs and companies that want to get to product market fit, which is really it. trying to match up what they're offering. The market is trying to, uh, you know, in terms of willing to pay and look for a solution. It's one of the, the most affordable, fastest ways to be able to do that. Makes sense. Well, Darshan, thank you so much for coming out. Where can people learn more about you and how can they engage with iResearch and connect quick? Sure. They can uh, visit our website, iResearch.com. It's just the letter I, research.com. Or you're welcome to email me directly at DM, which is Darshan Mehta, just initials DM, at 
iResearch.com. Perfect. If you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Darshan your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to iResearch.com. That's the letter I-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H.com. Shoot Darshan an email, DM at iResearch.com. Thanks again, Darshan. Thank you very much, George. Pleasure to talk to you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.